people often ask me, well, where can I attend one of these same-side selling immersion workshops? And historically, I give them as private workshops internally for businesses, and not every business can invest tens of thousands of dollars to do that. We are now offering these same-side selling immersion workshops, and we have three of them coming up. We just had one recently in Scottsdale, Arizona that was sold out. You can see the feedback and the ratings and scores and all that on our website. The three coming up are first on March 31st in Dallas, then on April 17th in San Francisco, and then Wilmington, Delaware, May 9th. So just visit ianaltman.com for more details. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, I'm joined by Ramon Segal. Now, Ramon's a guy based out of Newcastle, England, and he's he runs a company called Ra Marketing, R-A Marketing, and started the firm back in 2009. When I first met Ramon, it was 2013, and they were doing not a ton of business, and he had about three or four people. And they've since quadrupled the business over the last four years, and they've earned the recognition as the Northeast Outstanding Public Relations Consultancy, and the Outsourcing Pharma's editorial team calls them the best in the business. And so he's really gone from like a a nascent business to like a market leader. And we're going to talk to him specifically about how he's done that. We're going to talk about the early struggles and how he thought about his business then versus how he does today. We're going to talk about how he actually is able to grow his business by turning away more than half the opportunities that come to him and then specific methods that he uses to keep his business moving forward and focusing on value versus price. You're going to learn a ton. He's a great guy. And you're going to hear the train coming through in some of these things because, after all, it's England and that's the way it works. Here's my interview with Ramon Segal. Ramon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ian. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, I always like featuring people who have great success stories. And before we get into where things are today, give me a little bit of the background of your story and your business and how you got it to uh, – to where it is and really what the genesis was that prompted you to start it to begin with. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I started remarketing, um, in 2009. Um, and I was, I was actually working full time, um, for a pharmaceutical contract manufacturing company at the time. And an opportunity came about to start almost, I suppose, a freelance business on the side. Um, uh, and just by luck of circumstances and contacts, and then for the next couple of years, I kind of my business grew slightly while I was still employed and working full time. And then maybe I was a little bit reluctant or just didn't really see the opportunity. But I, in 2011, I kind of took the plunge and decided, actually, everyone around me is telling me to do this full time. I should probably listen to these smart people and actually um, give it a real shot. So it went from being kind of a lifestyle part time business to a, a kind of proper agency, if you like. So, so 2009 and 2011, it was kind of a solo freelance sideline, if you will. And then 2011, you said, all right, I'm going to do this full time. Yeah, exactly. So in, you know, I kind of started it in my part time just to genuinely, it was to um, make a little bit more money so we could go traveling and see a bit more of Europe and a bit more of the world. That was the amount of strategy that went into it. Um, <laughs> Sounds all good. It was. It was. Um, it was, seems a, a good enough reason to start a business. And 
you know, in the, in the early days, it, it was very much myself and I used a few freelancers, um, you know, that, that I'd known over the years and then um, realized that, you know, I was onto something because there were people knocking on my door asking me to work with them. And that's often a good sign um, <laughs> when you have a market out there wanting to work with you that you should take that as a bit of a hint that there's probably a need in the market. Sure. And I think it was either 2013 or 2014 where you and I first met when I was speaking in the UK. And at the, t- at the time you had, what was it, like three or four people maybe, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, we, I think it was 2013 that, that we, we met and uh, um, we were quite a small company then. And um, what, was, what was really interesting actually, and, and I'm not sure if I've ever told you the story, in, but around the time we met, um, we did no business development at all. All the business development we did was just doing our job and, and, and inquiries came to us and, and knocked on the door. Um, but around the time, probably within a couple of months of us meeting, we actually lost our biggest client. And at the time, that was about 30% of our revenue. And uh, and the learnings actually that I took from you know hearing you speak and um, you know talking about how you approach business development was so I was so fortunate actually because because when we lost our big client, um, it made me actually have to do some business development. <laughs> so thankfully, I, I took some some notes, and you know the penny had really dropped in terms of um, how to approach business development um, and not just going out for any business that was out there. Um, and yeah, it was it was you know fate or a you know just coincidence that that all happened. And obviously, it was difficult to lose a big client, but if anything, it was a kick up the backside that maybe I needed to be a little bit more proactive and actually treat my business less of a lifestyle business and actually give it a real shot. Yep. And so, so tell me about some of the, some of the things that, that you dealt with early on in the business from a business development standpoint, from, um, from dealing with clients and maybe pricing, um, just, just kind of the, the typical challenges that you faced before, because then I want to kind of do a compare and contrast of the things you've learned and how you do things today. In the early days, around that time, we were we basically went after any business that came in. So uh, we weren't uh, market specific, we weren't client specific. We kind of any opportunity that came in was an opportunity, and that was kind of maybe in hindsight we were chasing the money a bit, and uh, you know we were just. You know, like most entrepreneurial businesses, you just um, you get blinded by the opportunity and the excitement, and and we learned we learned some really hard lessons actually. Um, uh, we weren't, you know, we learned that actually not every client was the right fit for us, not every industry was the right fit for us, and and actually within the next eighteen months or so, we developed um, almost a, a red flag system, um, and the idea behind that is. Basically, if we if we see any of these these traits in companies and in people, we walk away. Um, we learn that you know if we see uh, someone behaving in a particular way or acting for a certain thing, it's normally telling us, hey, this is not the right type of client for us. So that journey and that learning, although it was difficult, it actually hugely developed the way um, that we now do business today. Um, you'll have to excuse me because typical British style. Um, you know, our office is under a, a train station here in the UK, and now there's a, a train going over my head. And, of course, uh, of course, there's a train going overhead. It's it's just it's so British. That way, people know <laughs> that you're the real deal. Like this isn't like just some guy who's faking the accent. Like you're the real deal. <laughs> no, that's the uh, that that will be the two the, the two fifteen to London King's Cross from Newcastle. That's probably just gone over my head. <laughs> so you said you developed a red flag system 
to walk away from different traits. So what are some of those traits or attributes that you put in place to avoid? So, yeah, so we, um, we developed almost a checklist system. So when we speak in, when we're speaking, um, to a, a kind of a new potential client, um, the, the system we have now is a little bit more developed in our, it's, it's quite industry specific as well. So there are certain sectors. So for us, if it's kind of a, a leisure client or, um, a construction client, for instance, um, you know, we, we would walk away, we would probably say no you know kind of straight away because we know that industry wise it's not quite you know it's not the the right fit for us yeah. um in, in in addition to that what we do as well as we look for things like um uh, you know the, the way that they behave so if they're if they're unreasonable and saying hey we want a proposal tomorrow um oh we're not going to give you any idea what our budget is um, or speaking to 20 other agencies, you know, these are all, these are all signs to me as a business owner and is that these guys are just, you know, they're not doing things the right way. They're not doing things with their best long-term interest in mind. They're trying to make a decision very quick. And if they're going to be like that, when you sign them as a client, then, you know, <laughs> newsflash, it's not going to get, it's not going to get much better when you're, when you're working together. So those types of characteristics that we see very, um, you know, very early on in a relationship tend to be um, tend to give you real insight into what they're going to be like when you actually have them as a client. Um, so we walk away, you know, and I think today, um, I think 80% of the inquiries we get, we say no at the first phase. So we have a very quick qualification um, kind of um, checklist, um, which looks at industry, company size, like the demographic type thing. And the, but combined with that, it's a behavioral thing. Yep. well and how are they conducting themselves um and we make decisions very quickly and and people get quite shocked because they they kind of say oh well you know you're saying you're saying no to us like you know how how dare you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what percentage of the time when you say to somebody no do they then try to convince you why they'd be a good client for you oh uh, it is on it's such an interesting point. So I, I'm not sure where I got this. I'm not sure if it was from yourself or something I've read, but you know, this idea of restraint gets respect. And when you, it's bizarre when you say no to someone, it makes them want, you know, it makes them want you more. If that makes sense, it's kind of some kind of cruel dating game. You know, it's like when you, you know, I remember before I, you know, when I met my, well, now my wife, you know, I chased my, you know, this girl for ages and she kept saying no and she kept saying no. And I kept, I wanted to chase her even more. And that is bizarrely what seems to happen with, <laughs> with potential clients. Um, but nevertheless, we don't, we don't get distracted from our overall business strategy and our sector specialism because it's really easy to just chase the money and say, you know, and actually just go after it because we can make some money here and there or, you know, it might give us a new intro to a new market. So, and I think that's one of my real learnings for, for you know, the listeners of your podcast that I've certainly found over the years that, you know, take a long-term view with these types of decisions because, you know, it, it's, there's, you can always make money and there's always other opportunities, but a bad client like that can absolutely drain your business. It can have a bad effect on morale on motivation. It can distract you from other clients and suck all your energy. And honestly, it's, it, it's really not worth it. Well, it's interesting. One of, one of the things that I want to make sure that our audience hears is that, Look, so many organizations place a lot of emphasis on here's our ideal client. Our ideal client looks like this. 
And the most powerful thing you've done is rather than say, here's what our ideal client looks like, what you're saying is the client that we know we don't want looks like this. And so we're on high alert to make sure that we don't attract and we don't retain a client who's going to be the bane of our existence. And if we do that and we're really good at vetting that, then the people who are left, which I, I love the fact that you say 80%, you rule out at the first at the first meeting. And people might be thinking to themselves, oh, but they're walking away from opportunities. And the reality is you're just focusing your efforts on the best opportunities for you. Absolutely. And, you know, and part of this comes back to, you know, the marketing message you put out there. And actually, we we have as a business have been guilty of, of you know, our communications are quite broad. But actually, you know, the, we've just launched our new website, actually. And if you one of the interesting feedbacks from a, a mentor of mine, she said that website makes it very clear that if someone recommends your company, say it's a retailer or a leisure client and they go on that website, they'll know straight away that this company is not for them. And that is a very, very intentional strategy that people come, you know, deal, you know, they call our company or they visit our website or whatever literature they see or they see us on social. And they are given a very distinct impression of our business and think, okay, these guys are not for us. And so what we're trying to do is almost reduce the waste of time even saying no to those 80% by never letting them inquire in the first place. Yep. Because actually where we want to spend our time is on that 20%. Um, and I think I think you've had Seth uh, Golden as a guest on your sure. podcast before, but he, he, use, he uses a beautiful phrase, which is, which is being meaningfully specific. And I, I absolutely adore that, that phrase because that is what, it's actually is a, is a effectively, a, you know, a, 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 you know, digital marketing and PR consultancy or agency like we are, it's the same thing that we see clients make mistake again and again and again, where clients are trying to be everything to everyone. And what we've, we try to do is almost um, practice what we preach, which is saying to people, look, you come, you're not after everyone in the world. You know, if you're an Amazon or a Google, fair enough. But most of us, especially in B2B, are not. We have a very, very specific market. And ignore the 99.9% and go for that 0.01%. Because yeah. actually, that's your market. And that's who you need to be meaningfully specific to. And that's where you need to make an impact. Um, and that's in, in certainly my business experience and in the growth that we've had in our agency that that's been the thing that keeps coming home um you know your market it gives you great clarity of where you where you're taking your business and you know who's the right type of client and who's not the right type of client well so so now now what i want to do is for the skeptics out there saying oh well so before they would have done work for anybody and so now they've specialized so since they're since they're focusing on a more narrow market they must not be growing as fast now. So describe your growth in that 2011 and 2013 timeframe. And then since 2013, now taking this new approach, um, what the difference has been from a growth standpoint? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, it's a great question because actually it's what, – what, what's really interesting about our business model is actually – the industry we're in is life science pharmaceuticals. Now, that is a higher value industry to say, um, say retail or hospitality. So for us, we've seen great since we changed our like, kind of refocused uh, a year, eighteen months ago. 
and actually, ironically, back to where we started on day one when I started this business, my, I actually set out to be an agency for life science and pharmaceuticals. And then typical of me and in my kind of busy monkey mind, chased after everything, you know, as, as we grew. And in terms of growth, you know, in those early years, yes, we grew, but it was relatively you know, low base. Um, and, you know, since we made our decision um, to kind of focus on, on sector specific things, I mean, we are doubling year on year. I think since since I met you, Ian, we're four times the size as we were then. Um, and that has been through, through saying 80%, no to 80% of everything, but actually working on the types of clients we want to work on with the types of, um, in the type of market we want to work in, on the types of projects we want to work on and having sustainable gradual growth rather than just growing for the sake of growing and actually making no money. Um, you know, we, we're a profitable business. We make good margin. And that's down to the way that we approach business development and, and actually the way that we um, look after our clients because we know the sector. And ultimately, our type of business and a service agency like ours is lives or dies based on client loyalty and customers coming back to you. Um, and I think what's a really interesting statistic is is actually our customer retention rate, I think, is about 90 percent now. So the our kind of attrition last year was less than 10 percent and it was probably 50 percent the year before. Wow. When you sit with your clients today, it's not arbitrary about what their results are. You know what results you're shooting for up front. You're able to confirm them once delivered. And now that leads to the retention recruitment. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. And we, because we know our market and we know our customers, we know the types of impact that they're looking for. And for us, we, you know, we set that out. We, you know, even in a, a you know, certain things like PR is 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 more difficult to evaluate. It's it's the nature of the business. But actually, we still put metrics and KPIs in place to say, look, this is what success looks like. And then, as long as we're delivering against that, then clients tend to stay with us. And um, obviously, there's always the chance that clients are going to leave because you know for some clients are bought out or you know sure. budget budget or whatever. But actually, you know, um, what what we found is you know. It's getting the right types of, you know, spend the time, you know, back to that 20%, spend the time on getting the right clients in in the first place. And actually, you've got a much better chance of keeping them in the long term. And, you know, from a sustainable business model, that's what um, people should be, you know, our clients and anyone that we advise and actually anyone I share my business journey with. I always say that, you know, that that's that's the key is get the right type of clients in in the first place and, you know, look after them. And it's much easier to keep clients than it is to win to win business. Now, let me let me ask you this. So early on, when you were everything to everybody and any business looked like decent business versus now when you're highly specialized, what's the difference in price discussions and pricing pressure that you get from clients today versus what you got back then? Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. And What's really, it comes back to knowing our client. Number one, they have a budget, which is drastically different from a lot of the clients we used to work with. So you know straight away whether they're in your ballpark. They also know, they also see the value in the, what they're looking for. And what I, what I mean by that is some of the early days, say, say we were pitching on a, on a PR job for a client, we'd have to sell them the value of PR. So they, did, they didn't even understand what PR was, irrespective of the price. So we had to educate them on PR and then say, oh, by the way, it's going to cost you know, £10,000 or whatever it is. Whereas now our clients, the nature of the clients that we work with, they understand the value of what we're offering first and foremost. So there's no education there. They, they know that, you know, that this will help solve their problem. 
and actually they know what the go- the going rate is in the market, and so they they're reasonable with their budgets and um, and, and I suppose it, they're a little bit more the nature of the clients are a little bit more kind of B two B and a bit more tra- less transactional, less fickle. So they, they see it as a long term relationship thing. Um, so they don't just say, oh, "Look, let's give it a couple of months and see how it goes," which is some of the clients that we had in the early days that was part of the issue where we would it would be like all right we've got two months to prove what we can do whereas the guys that were clients that we're working with now take a much longer term view they think okay let's see how it goes for the first year or two and then you know evaluate things from them and and i think that again comes back to the type of client that we're looking for we want it we want the type of client that is going to invest in a long-term relationship that will benefit us and will benefit them and not just a client out to make a quick book or save a quick book that's um that's not the type of market uh we're in for and i'm sure there is a market for that but hey someone else can have that well you know <laughs> it's, it's, it's one, of, one of the things i always tell people is people people will say to me well what's wrong with being the low bidder and i always say there's nothing wrong with being the low bidder it's just it's not a sustainable model and it's not the organizations that i work with but there's a lot of people making a lot of money being the low bidder it's just not exciting for me and so it's I, I totally I totally agree and it's I always find that you're on a carousel you know there's always one in one out and you are constantly on the you know you're constantly on the new business development front you are uh, you it's like chasing your tail because you you know you can't you can't sustain the costs of the business because you keep losing clients so you keep trying to find clients and it's 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 seems madness to me and I think one interesting thing that I, I kind of didn't mention here which might be might be useful for for the listeners as well i mean having a niche in a i mean take out our service you know it's very very specific to industry but it's allows to be um to export and go international so you know nearly half of our business is export business now now most of the agencies around us in in the northeast of england will be fighting for the same work that is in the northeast and there's nothing wrong with that if there's enough business to go around but the way we've looked at things is hang on we are in a global market um you know easy easy to access than ever before in terms of communications and technologies and transport and everything like that so why don't we take what we are good at and actually um you know aim at the states and aim at europe and actually grow beyond uh, the confines of just just our region and you know for us that's been that's been a really um a positive and something i'm very proud of that you know that a lot of our business comes from international and it comes from clients from outside of our region um, and it just proves that you know service businesses can export if you're in the right sector yeah no that's brilliant now i know that uh, you've you've told me you're a regular listener to the podcast and what was most inter- interesting to me is how you actually not just listen to these things, but how you put some of these ideas to work. So, so just give me some ideas of, of the way that you use the information that you pick up on the podcast and how you apply it to your business. Because I think it's, it's something that everybody can learn from. Well, <laughs> the way I listen to your podcast, Ian, is I'm normally running. So I'm a, I'm a marathon runner and um, I spend you know, two, three hours every Sunday with my headphones in and, and listening to podcasts, which I'd encourage anyone and everyone to do because it's the way I learn. So, um, so let's just say I, I mean, I listened to one of your podcasts uh, um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think the lady was called Anne Henley, yep. if I remember correctly. And um, what I do is I, I listen to the content, and sometimes I will start, stop running to write to write down something, or I will actually put voice record on my um, on my phone while I'm running, and I will 
kind of give myself voice memos of things of things that I've learned. Um, and I think it was was Anne, um, if I correct, if I remember correctly, was talking about uh, kind of understanding the buyer and qualifying the buyer and actually really thinking like the buyer um, and working with business development teams to really understand the challenges of the buyer. And, I, and you know, it's such a simple thing, but actually for a B2B business like ours, just, sh- you know, sharing that with my team and writing that down and remembering to do it is just absolutely valuable. It's absolutely valuable. Um, and so, you know, I, I, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with learning and reading and listening to good content, but I always write things down and work out and have a little action next to myself, which how can we actually bring this thing to life? Um, and I think, again, you had a, co- uh, a guest, I think it was an Australian lady, um, Neen. Oh, Neen James, yep. You know, really distinctive um, voice, if I remember correctly. And she, I think she was talking about productivity and, and that type of thing. And, sure. and actually, what I did is I shared that podcast with my entire team and said, look, guys, um, you know, we're having a challenge at the minute because we're really busy and resources tight. Here, listen to this podcast. It'll give you a good way of structuring um, the way you think about your workload, the way you approach, the way you prioritize and that type of thing so um you know and i think that that would be my um you know i don't i don't have many regrets in life and one thing i do regret is actually in my 30s i've i've taken the time to read and learn and i make time for every single day and every single month now that i have time blocked in my diary to learn and you know when you're in your 20s you're doing other stuff and i kind of (laughs) lost that kind of lost I was kind of starting my business and drinking and all the fun things you do in your twenties. And, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's the thing that I cannot um, emphasize enough to people is, you know, I listen to Tim Ferriss and Michael Hyatt and yourself and, um, uh, you know, Pat Flynn on Smart Passive Income. And I, and I constantly fill my mind full of um, some new ideas and stuff like that. And it's amazing how you can apply that to your, to your work and your business. And it's that my number one advice for people is just to never stop learning and growing and, and progressing and, and, and kind of uh, perfecting their craft. That's that's brilliant. So I'm sure people are going to are going to want to get a sense of how they can learn more about you and how to connect with you. And um, I guess as some people reach out and even thank you for your in, input here, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. And obviously, I you know I'm more than happy to to help anyone or you know reply to anything that comes in and uh and so the, the on twitter i am uh, ramanelli which is r-a-m-a-n-e-l-l-i um and if you, you connect with me on twitter that's probably the best way and uh and we, as i said we just um <laughs> we've just launched our new website and uh which is uh remarketingpr.com which is remarketingpr.com and i would uh ask anyone to just have a look and give us some feedback because although it's live it's always in kind of work in progress mode it's never the finished product so any feedback that anyone can give us to say what they think and 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 actually it's a hopefully it's helpful for companies out there which who kind of you know aim for the catch-all approach where we it's a really good example of where we've done the exact opposite and made it very very clear who we are as a business and who our market is and hopefully it's an example for others in whatever market they are to to follow Brilliant. All right. Well, Ramon, thanks so much for joining us. We'll make sure all this information is included in the show notes. And um, I look forward to talking to you again when you have quadrupled once again. Thanks, Ian. And, um, you know, on a, on a personal note, I just want to thank you and uh, you personally and also the show because your learnings are incredibly valuable um, to me, my business, my family. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for, for you sharing your learnings with us. Now, you know what? I, I appreciate it so much. And as I always say, 
Um, I, I can say this stuff all day long. It's the people like you who actually do the work and actually execute it that make it work. The people who just listen to it and don't apply it probably don't get as big of results as you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure my team say that I don't do any work and actually they do all the real work. <laughs> <laughs> and that could be true, but, no, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's cut that bit out, Ian, yeah? <laughs> so, all right, Ron, be well. All right, take care. Cheers, Ian. I love hearing these success stories from guys like Ramon Segal and how they've taken these concepts and applied them. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key things I think you can use and apply to your business right away. Number one, Ramon has this criteria, these red flags to define what's not a fit for his business. And he's turning away 80% of the opportunities that come to him to make sure he focuses on the best one. And ironically, it's leading to a 4x growth and doubling year over year of his business. Second, make sure that you can define well the impact for your customers. That's part of what's driving the repeat and referral business for him. And then always be in a state of learning. This notion of Ramon actually listening to podcasts when he's running and then stopping and taking the time to capture his notes in Evernote is part of the reason for his great success. I want to thank you for taking the time to subscribe post reviews, and share this with your friends and colleagues. It really makes a big difference. And remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest you think I should have on, if there's a topic you want me to cover, just fire me a note at ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer.